series of sons um, with this subtitle, Our Father. Before I do that, I just want to make sure one more time because I don't want any distractions. Is the sound okay? The sound is good. Okay. I want to make sure. So as we continue this series, we've been in this series for several months now. I want to encourage you to do a couple of things this morning. I want to encourage you to follow along in the app. If you will download the Rock app and click on Notes, there's a tile or a little tab as you scroll down that page It says Notes. You can see everything that I'm teaching today, at least that's written. Um, you can see there the scriptures that I'm using, that I know I'm using. You'll see there sometimes, oftentimes. I'll add others in there, but just as we move. But um, the gist of what we will be teaching today, you will find in those notes, and there's also places for you to add your own notes. I encourage you today to follow along with this. I can tell you that being knowing, knowing who we are is extremely, extremely important. In fact, it's not just important. It is whatever is more than important, imperative. Um, it is absolute that we understand who we are. And we aren't, this is what we are not. We're not just good Christians. Or bad Christians. Or Christians. That's what we're not. And if we fall into that, what are you? I'm just a good Christian. Man, when I think about the buckets full of glory and honor and all the inheritance that the Father has for us that won't be poured out to just good Christians. But He holds in His hand an inheritance that is passed on to the next generation of sons and daughters. Can anybody hear me this morning? So it's important that I'm not just a good Christian. It's important that I'm not just a believer. Believer in what? It's, an, it's important that I'm not just a Sunday churchgoer. It's important that I don't just read the Bible. That I don't just sing a worship song. It's important that I don't just pray. But it's important that all of those things are encompassed in who I am. For me, I'm a son. For all you men, you're sons. For all you women, you're daughters. Knowing who we are, it is imperative that we know who we are so that we can lay hold of everything that is in the Father for you and me. I just wonder how much of an inheritance, how much of his, what he has held in his hand has been lost over, gener think about it for a second, over generations of time because people were satisfied with simply being a good Christian. Or they were happy with simply getting saved and coming to the door of the kingdom, but they never walked through the door. People who every Sunday needed a salvation message. And it was never, they were never able to get past the idea that salvation is more than receiving Jesus Christ on day one. It's also receiving all of His glory and all that's in the kingdom, all that's in Him every day. Amen? So it is so, so... Important. So why is this journey that we've been on now for several months, why is it so important? Because when we know who we are and we know what our role is, we then gain a sense of responsibility and a confidence that compels us to honor the Father. See, if I'm a good Christian, I might not have a sense, I may not be compelled to go deeper. 
If I'm just a good Christian and I just go to church on Sunday and I read my three books, chapters of the Bible and I say my prayers every day and I do these and I read my little note cards and that's what I do every day and I'm, and I'm just getting by and this is, you know what, this is what I feel like my taskmaster wants from me. This is what I feel like my slave master requires of me. I feel like my father is, a, is, a, is that taskmaster. I feel like my father is that slave master. I feel like my father is looking to judge me if I read two chapters instead of three or if I pray 15 minutes instead of 30. So I live with this consciousness of fear or this, I live with this fear and this awareness of Am I going to be judged because I came up just short? Man, in our whole thought, good Christians every day, right now, in this room, in churches all around America and the world today, there are good Christians today that are constantly living more in fear of their Creator, fear of what He's looking, where they come up short, instead of honor as sons, knowing that I'm giving and doing all I know to do and what I don't know to do right now, He's not holding me liable for, but as I'm faithful over what He gives me, He will then add more and then I can be faithful to that. But He's not looking to judge you and me. He's not looking for a way to cast us out. He's looking for a way to grow us up. Can somebody say amen this morning? That's what the Father wants from me. That's what the Father wants from you. He wants to grow us up. He wants to change our mind. And I don't know about you. I don't know. Maybe you can look at your husband or your wife this morning. Maybe you're better doing that than anybody else. You can look at your sons and daughters. Or you can look in the mirror. And you can say to yourself, boy, this mind needs changing. Their mind needs changing. They are stuck in the mud. You know, I want to refer to a situation. Uh, my, my uncle that I love was in uh, one of the world wars. Or no, he, not the world war. In the Vietnam War. He was in the Vietnam War, and he told me a story, and I don't remember. He was in the Army, so I don't remember exactly what his role was, but I know that he obviously fought. But one of the things that he told me was, he said, Steve, he said, what you were taught not to do was hide behind a log when you were approaching the enemy and you were in enemy territory. You didn't get behind a log and squat down and be still. Because what the enemy's doing is they're looking for that thing that is still. So if your head is popped up over that log, they fix their target on you and you're gone. You never allowed yourself to become still. You never allowed yourself to be so still that you looked like or they thought they could identify who you were on the other side of that. So you were always moving. You would pop up here, you would drop down, you would roll over, you'd pop up here so that they could not fix their sights on that particular location. I'm going to tell you today, there are too many believers that have fixed themselves and they're so still and their head is so popped up, the enemy is having a heyday taking you out every single time something comes up in your life. He loves it. He says, there's the log, their head's about to pop up, get ready, go get them. They're going to be in the same place doing the same thing tomorrow they're doing today. They're going to be in the same place doing the same thing today they did five years ago. Nothing's changing about them. Every time you look, you can leave all the imps in hell, the devil himself telling them, you can leave and you can go to another country. If you come back in five years, those folks will be in exactly the same spot. So don't waste your time trying to get them today. They'll be there when you come back. 
But the Father's all about sons growing up. And when we grow up, we begin to learn and He begins to change our mind and He begins to cause us to see and to recognize the wiles that are about us. Things that are trying to distract us and move us and, and, and transform us and cause us to believe we're less than we are. But I'm telling you today, you're not meant to be simply, as I've said over and over again, orphans and outcasts and vagabonds and in bondage. But you're called to be sons and daughters who have been freed from the fear of knowing God and brought into a place of an honor to know God. It is my joy to know Him. It is my joy to walk this out. See, a good son doesn't hate discipline. A faithful son doesn't get offended with discipline. A faithful son doesn't get offended by change. A faithful son says, where is it where you're leading us? Where are we going? Wherever you find yourself, I want to be found there. Even if I don't understand the process of getting there, wherever you find yourself, Father, I want to find myself there. I'm not offended that it doesn't make sense. I'm not offended that you told me that wasn't the best way. There's a better way. It doesn't bother me. I don't have to be the one that has all the answers. I'm thankful that, Father, I'm able to look to you and say that I know in you all the answers can be found. I'm a son. I'm a son. So it doesn't bother me when you begin to shift and when you begin to change. It doesn't threaten me when you begin to shift things and you begin to change things. You're calling me out to something. And I've got news for you today. He's calling you out from things that have held you back and have hindered you. He's looking for sons and daughters to rise up and to be who He sent you to be. And I want to be that. How about you? The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 verse 14 is very direct in his pronouncement of who God's sons are. And I mean, he wastes literally no words. I love the way he puts it in Romans 8 14. He says, for all who are led. Everybody say, all who are led. All who are led. Everybody say it. All who are led. All who are led. By the Spirit of God. Our sons of God. Man, I, I tell you, that whole word led has a lot of meaning in it. It means exactly what I was just describing a moment ago. To be led by the Spirit of God means to not get offended when the leading doesn't take you where you would go. To be led by the Spirit of God means to trust in His leadership. It means to trust Him when He says go right, but everything in your natural man says go left. Everything about being led by the Spirit of God. Those who are, say it again, those who are led, who are led by, the Spirit of God by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Sons of God. Oh, man. I mean, that by itself. I mean, he makes it so incredibly plain. How do I know if I'm a son of God? How do I know if I'm a daughter of God? If I'm led by the Spirit of God. Not led by my own wiles, not led by my own desires, not led by my own passions until my passions become his passions. Until my wants become His wants. Until my desires become His desires. Can somebody say amen this morning? So Paul removes all confusion. He makes it very plain that those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So I talked about this a long time ago, but I'm going to just share these things again this morning just very quickly. But how many know that darkness, what darkness is? Raise your hand. Do you know what darkness is? Darkness is simply the absence of what? light. Darkness, all it is, is the absence of light. There really is no such thing as literal darkness. It's just the less light there is, the dimmer things become. 
So in order to describe that dimness or the lack of light, we created a word and called it dark. Or he created a word, called it dark. In the absence of light, there is darkness. Also, cold. How many know, I know Jimmy Kerner wouldn't agree with this statement, but there's really no such thing as cold. Yes, there is. <laughs> cold is simply the absence of what? Heat. There is heat. There is heat. Cold is the absence of heat. So the less heat there is, the less warm you are. So the, and listen, when I was in Michigan a couple weeks ago, and they're watching today, when I was there a couple weeks ago and it was three degrees, there was very little heat. It had come to Florida. It was freezing. Matt Nelson, they were up in Atlanta, said it was very cold last week. In the absence of heat, there is cold. So then it would also be safe to say if this is true in the natural, then slavery or bondage is the absence of sonship. Where there is no understanding of our true identity, we become slaves. When there is no understanding of our true value and who we really are in God, who He really created us to be, when there's no understanding of that, when that's gone, when that's history, all that is, is a lack of sonship. So if I position myself to, and can I just make it just as plain as I know how to make it? I'll just make it simple. If I position myself to get offended every time God does something, if I position myself to argue with Him every time He does something, He reminded me of something this week, and I'll tell you about it right now. He reminded me of a word He gave to me some time ago. I found myself praying again for something I'd prayed for before. And as I was doing that, Holy Spirit reminded me, why are you praying again? Do you think I didn't hear you the first time? You know, those of you that are newer here, you don't remember, but some time ago, I don't know when, I taught a series about stop begging God for what He heard you ask the first time. Because He said when you pray once, you don't need to pray again. You're wasting your words. Because He doesn't forget. So when people would ask me and they would say to me, they would say, will you pray whatever? And I would pray for them and I would say to them. I even said to a friend of mine, yeah, some of you know him. I said to a friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer and he said, will you pray with me? I said, I'm going to pray with you this one time. Don't ask me to pray for you again for that. I'm going to pray one time. And I prayed that God would heal him one time. And I've not prayed for him again. And I won't pray for him again for that unless Holy Spirit says, you didn't quite get it right the first time. Now, that might seem odd. That might seem strange. But see, I'm going to tell you the difference between slavery and sonship is. In sla as a slave, there's always a carrot dangling in front of our face that we can never quite get to. So I'm going to keep asking for it. What do I have to do now to get that carrot? Father, what do I have to do now to get that carrot? Slave master, taskmaster. What do I have to do now? I thought I'm, I'm doing everything you're telling me to do and I just can never quite get to that carrot. So I'm going to keep asking over and over again. When, uh, when will we get there? When will we get there? But the Father says this. If He puts a carrot in front of your face at such and such a time, you ask for it, and when it's time, I'll give it to you. Not your time, but my time. Is anybody hearing me in this, this place this morning? So this week I found myself, someone asked me, said um, they, I, I, 
was reading, and I was thinking about something I did actually a couple weeks ago. Um, but I was reading this week and reminded of something that I had violated that word to me. And I found myself praying for somebody for something that I had prayed for before, and I repented to the Father. I'm sorry that I prayed a second time for what you heard me ask the first time. I said to the people, I said to those of you that, are, that were here then, I said when you pray and someone asks you pray for me, tell them this. If you don't have the faith to believe that God's going to move on their behalf right then, then tell them this. Just be honest and say, I'm going to pray when my faith is in the position to pray and believe that God will do that for you. Don't waste your words. Pray when you know that God has said, right now I want you to pray for them because I've stirred you to the point where you believe I can do it. But see, a taskmaster dangles that thing out there and a slave, that, that person in bondage, that person in just good Christians. We're going to pray for this. We prayed for them last week. We prayed for them the week before. We prayed for them the week before that. But we're just going to keep praying, bless God, till they get healed. And that prayer list gets longer and longer and longer and the same names are on it every week. When you prayed for them the first time, if you prayed with faith, you remove their name. Let God do His work. I know that's tough, isn't it? But man, that's sonship. Saying, I know who my daddy is and my daddy doesn't go back on his word. My daddy's a man of his word. My daddy's a God of his word. My daddy's faithful. My, dad's, my daddy, my Abba, he's not looking for a way to say, Woo, I'm just going to keep pulling you along, dragging you along. I'm just going to keep making you wonder. No, he heard you the first time, somebody. He's my daddy. So just to say, just so you know, if you come to me and you say, Steve, can you pray for me for this? Don't come until you have faith, to join, that I have faith, to come into agreement with you because I'm going to pray one time. And then if you don't get what you asked for immediately, if you come three months later, I'm not praying for it again. I'm just waiting. Father, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to do the rest. I did what you said to do. I came before you. I did what you said. I'm a son, and I trust my Father. Can somebody say amen this morning? So let me jump into this part. Nothing to prove. Everybody say there's nothing to prove. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, these are, this is Jesus' instruction. Let me read this to you, and, and I want to move through these things uh, relatively quickly today so that um, uh, we can continue with, what, uh, with our new family's luncheon. But I want to make sure that I complete this, what he shared. It says this, says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from, everybody say, your Father, who is in heaven. Thus, oh, you don't have to say that part. Just when I, when I get to your father, say your father, okay? Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... You must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father, your father who is in secret and your father, whose father? Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. 
For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? When will you do it? Do not be like them for your father father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then, Jesus said, this way or like this. Our Father, put your hands on yourself and say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But Father, deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father, Heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father, my Father, forgive your trespasses. Eight times Jesus calls His Father your Father in 15 verses. Eight times He distinguishes. It's not just my daddy. He's your daddy. Eight times. In another version, it's 12 times. So eight times in the ESV, he says, my father is your father. In fact, he never says my father here. He calls him every time, your father, your father. Everybody say, I I have a father. father. Well, then what does that make you? What? What does that make you? Okay, let's try this again. So if you have a father, and say it with me, say, I have a father, I have a, father. a heavenly father. A heavenly father. Therefore, that makes me a... So. Okay. Okay. Not just a good Christian. Not just a believer. Are you a Christian? Oh, I'm, I'm more than that. How can you be more than a Christian? I'm a son. Well, what's the difference? Well, if you knew, you wouldn't be asking the question. Clearly, you know what a Christian is because you thought I was one. But if you knew what a son was, you wouldn't be asking, if I a Christian, you'd be saying, are you a son? The world has a son deficit. The church has a son and daughter deficit. Doesn't have a believer deficit. Doesn't have a Christian deficit has a son and daughter deficit. So eight times Jesus calls his father your father, and this entire passage invokes or puts out there exactly the same instructions that any of us would use for our sons and daughters. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I want the very best for my kids. I'm praying over my children. I want the very best for my children. Give us this day our daily bread. I want you to have plenty. I want you to be satisfied. And as we go through this entire prayer that Jesus instructed, He wasn't saying, pray and memorize this prayer and repeat this prayer every day. He was saying, make sure that when you pray, you know to whom you are praying and you know who it is you are before Him. Because when you pray as a son, you pray differently than you pray as an orphan. Orphans are always praying for their new home. Vagabonds are always praying for a place to lay their head. Outcasts are always praying for a place to belong. Do you hear me today? Sons know exactly where they're laying their head tonight. 
They know exactly what their father's intentions are for them. They know exactly what he wants for them. They know exactly where they belong in him. They feel safe and secure. They don't feel like when they get up tomorrow, it all might be gone. I remember growing up. I remember with the different religious stuff that did exist in my family. There was always this sense of creating so much fear that Jesus was coming any time and Steve, you're just not ready. And I wasn't. But there was this sense, everybody come when preachers would come to the church that my family went to, when preachers would come and they would, they would preach and they would talk about if you leave this service today, you better come and get saved right now. I'm telling you what, God's going to take you out. You're going to walk out of this building, you're going to go get in your car, you're going to drive out on that road and a big old Mack truck's going to take you out. You never know. Man, by the time he finished with his emotional whatever, plea, by the time he finished with that, people who had known God for decades were running to the altar. Just in case there's anything in me, I'm coming down there because that Mack truck is not going to have my name on it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've run to the altar many times because somebody stood up and preached this message of fear and intimidation. Telling us again and again and again, God's looking for a way to judge you. And if you don't get it right with Him today, he's, He might just take you out. Or there might be an enemy laying at your doorstep. When you get home, you don't know. You better get your life right. And man, this whole, our whole world is wrapped up in fear. And you know what they do? You come to the altar, God forgive me, and then you live the rest of your Christian life afraid. Man, if it might have been a Mack truck last Sunday, what might it be this week? Oh man, I forgot to pray. Oh, I couldn't make it to their prayer meeting. Good Lord, I couldn't make it to their new believers class, to the foundations class. I didn't make it to the men's ministry. Oh my, oh, I missed the Sunday school lesson. I'm going to hell. This whole mentality and all the while the father's saying, this disgusts me. This whole mentality disgusts me. Because there's nothing about the father looking to judge us. Everything about the father's looking to grow us. Even in his growing of us, judgment comes. But it's not because he's sending judgment. It's because he's growing us. And when he grows us, we're reminded of what wasn't him. That re- what was removed. Judgment is coming into the knowledge that didn't belong to him. I'm judging this. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So if we are led by the Spirit of God, He's our Father. We are His sons and His daughters. And He wants us to know who we are with a humble pride. With a humble pride. He wants us to be aware. Man, there's so much that's set before you as sons. Now I realize there's people in here today, your entire life, you've, you've simply been a good Christian. You've done the very best you can. And I'm talking to you this morning and you feel like, man, He's talking right to me. But I feel pretty good about being just a good Christian. If you really like that, you'll love sonship. You'll love it. I'm telling you today, there's a difference between just being part of the group and being part of the family. You hearing me in this place? Let's talk about unencumbered sons. So we alienate ourselves from sonship whenever we attempt to commingle what is of him and what is not. In other words, 
When we try to, over and over again in the First Testament, even in the Second Testament a couple of times, but in the First Testament many times, the Father deals with the people, with the, the people of God, and He says to them, don't commingle with this one and don't commingle with that one because you're, you're trying to bring together different ways, different spirits, different thoughts, different ideas. You can't, and they're just a plethora of different positions, and, he's, and I'm just trying to make it simple. But He says, don't bring all of this together. You're, what, what you're going to do is you're going to water down who you are in Me. And you might not see it. You might think, well, I'm going to elevate this person. I'm going to elevate that person. They're going to change because of me. And all the while the Father's saying, you don't understand. You're making things so difficult on yourself. Because those people you're trying to elevate, you're trying to bring in, you're trying to do all this for, you begin to commingle with them because you believe you're strong, you're a son, you're a daughter. And you're believing that because you're a strong son, because you're a strong daughter, that he or she or they or that thing, that place, whatever it is, you believe that somehow that it's all going to work out and it's all going to be good. I'm going to tell you, this is what I've seen over my, over, his, over my time in ministry, over the years I've been in ministry, over 30 years. Let me tell you what I've seen. When a son or a daughter loves God with all their heart, begins to commingle with specifically people that are not sons and daughters, they begin to spend their time begin to date them, marry them, try to become one with them, and they begin to do that. I'm trying to think of even one single situation right now. I'm trying to think of even one right now, and I can't on the top of my head. Think of one situation where that son or that daughter brought that person who was not to sonship. But in almost every situation, I suddenly begin to see that son or daughter begin to compromise, begin to do what they would not have done before meeting that one begin to live a life and begin to justify, then it's, it's okay. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to lead them into a place. I'm going to tell you something. When we get into a place, we get into relationships, we get into places and things, and I'm going to dive into this, but we get into these places. And I'm not trying to make people uncomfortable, but I'm trying to make you aware. Listen, as sons and daughters, we're called to something that's much sharper, has a sharper edge than simply existing. Do you hear me this morning? So I'm going to tell you when we get involved with things and we're trying to placate, we begin to justify, we begin to compromise, we commingle the word of the Lord, we commingle that anointing that is in us with that that is not of God, that that is not even pressing into the Father. I'm telling you, if he or she is not pressing into God, be done with them. I know that's a strong word. You might be in this house this morning and say, well, I'm pressing into him, but this one's not. I'm telling you, be done with them until they press in. It's not your responsibility to get them to press in. It's between them and the Father. And if they can't hear the Father, I've got news for you. They will not hear you. Because what happens is then we become encumbered. We begin to carry a weight. We're trying to lead this one. We're trying to lead this one. I can't be there because this one doesn't want, you know, they want this or they want that or this place requires this of me. I'm bec I've become encumbered now. I'm going to tell you, sons are unencumbered because we know who we are and nothing gets in our way of being a demonstration of the kingdom of God. Nothing, nothing. But we alienate ourselves from sonship every time we attempt to commingle what is of Him and what is not. We try to put those things together. Whether it has a pretty face whether it looks like a good time, 
whether it looks like improvement, whatever it might look like, if it's not of God, it's simply not of God. If he or she's not of God today, they're not of God. That means they're not for you. So I'm, gonna, I got, I'm just going to make a statement. If you're with somebody that's not of God today, if you're with them, be done with it. What are you talking about? I've been, we've been dating and, and what? be done with it. If you're married, stay put. Trust the Father. Let him do his work. I'm going to pray for you one time. But if you aren't married yet, get out of their bed. Get them out of your life. Tell them it's time for them to go another direction because you are a son and a daughter. And what belongs to the Father is a temple. You are a temple. Don't let some goofball violate your temple. That was free. So sin encumbers us. Everybody say sin. sin. Encumbers us. It invites confusion and doubt. It alienates us from our purpose. And it gets in the way of being who you and I were created to be. I want to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 14, says this. says, oh, listen, I, I, listen, I didn't put this here. He did. He said, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we, everybody say we, Sons and daughters, for we, everybody say we, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. I want to tell you something this morning. There are too many sons and daughters today that have not gone out. Instead, they have gone in to the wrong places, wrong people, wrong time, and all that's happening is you are being violated every single day you're becoming less and less a son and daughter and more and more a violator of his purpose and I'm saying to you I'm going to go ahead and live I'm going to go ahead and speak strong words I'm saying to any man and any woman that will come into a son or a daughter and try to deceive them with your words try to manipulate them try to wine and dine them try to make a way for them Try to prepare a way to get them, to lead them away from their cause and their purpose and who they are. I say to you today, I'm asking the Father today to pass judgment upon you. Pass judgment upon you. Lose everything you've got. Lose everything you've got until you come to the place where you need Him and there's not another option. Whoever you are, he or she, today, don't mess with the sons and daughters of God. Because God will show up if that son or daughter will position themselves to say, I rem I'm reminded today who I am. And there is nothing more valuable than who he made me to be. We'll talk about value in a moment. So he says this in 17, Therefore go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord, touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Yahweh God wants us unencumbered. Anything that does not un uh, honor him encumbers us. 
Anything that does not bring honor to Him, whether it's our thinking, our words, our lifestyle, our choices, if it does not honor Him, it encumbers us from walking in the inheritance that He has laid up for His sons and daughters to walk in peace and joy and righteousness which all mark the kingdom of God. People, places, conversations, ideas that are a counterfeit of the truth, all of that encumbers you and me. So there's a difference between being a son and being a slave. And it's found in how we relate to Yahweh. Do we want to be like our Father? Then we will live our lives to honor Him. If I want to be like my Father, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my life to honor Him. And I'm not. I am not going to be compelled to enter into things and places that dishonor Him. I'm a son. I want to tell you again today. I want you to hear me today. Look, read my lips. Hear my voice and read my lips. You are a son. And you've been called to more. And yes, more is required of sons. No doubt about it. More is required of sons. But not more labor. Not more work of the hands. Simply alignment. Father, where you are, I am. Where you go, I go. Mm -mm -mm. Father wants you to know your true value. I was reading, and we'll wrap it up with this. But I was reading, uh, uh, going through Instagram, looking at my grandson's pictures uh, the other day, and I saw this story, and I thought it was really neat. It's a story about a father, you may have seen it, but it's a story about a father that was helping his daughter understand her value, and he was using an old car as an example. Did anyone see that story? I thought it was profound, and I, and I just took some notes on it and wrote it down as soon as I read it because it's so applicable to where we are today. Because if I know my value, if I know who I am in Him, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's irrelevant. Amen? So basically the story goes like this. There's this girl that goes to the father and says, you know, Daddy, we got this old car that you had that you gave to me, and, and um, is, is it worth anything? And he says, well, I'll tell you what I want you to do, because she loved it. It's like me, and, and see, all I ever wanted when I was a kid, I wanted a 1974 Chevy Nova SS with a 350. That's what I wanted, man. I wanted a Chevy Nova, and I saw one the other day. A couple weeks ago, I was driving home from church. I was up on the 429, and this Chevy Nova, 1974 Chevy Nova, pulled up beside me. It had 60s on the back, 70s on the front. It was jacked up just a little bit. Had the little stripe down the side with the little chrome SS on the back fender. I thought, man, that's my, I just want to chase this guy down. <laughs> then I realized that car's worth more than I could, would possibly be willing to pay for it. But boy, I sure would like it. But that wasn't true in 1974. It wasn't true. Some of you don't, don't even know what a Nova is. It was the coolest car on the road in 1974. Cooler than a Camaro. Cooler than the Firebird. Cooler than a Vet. Cooler than the Chevelle. It was the coolest car on the road in 1974. It's true. It's true. More people owned a Chevy Nova than they did any of the other sports cars. It was the coolest car on the road. And it still would be today. And they stopped selling it because I never did buy one. <laughs> but this girl has this, her daddy had given her this car and, and it meant something to her. But the car wouldn't run. It was old, it was broken down. So she said to her daddy, she said, Daddy, she said, I, I want to sell it and I want to see if I can get some money for it. It means something to me. I don't want to just take it to the junkyard. 
And he said, this is what I want you to do, sis. I want you to take that car, and I want you to take it down to the car dealership. Ask them what they'll give you for it. So she gets that car to the dealership. She comes back a little bit later. She said, Daddy, she said, the car, the car dealership said they'd give me 100 bucks for it. He said, 100 bucks. He said, okay. He said, then take that, car dealer, take that car down to the pawn shop and see what they'll give you for it. She takes the car to the pawn shop. She gets down there. She comes back a little bit later. And she said, Daddy, the pawn shop said they'd give me $1,000 for it. He said, $1,000. Okay. He said, now I want you to put that car on the wrecker, and I want you to tow it down to the car show. Take it down to the car show. See if, see if anyone offers you anything for it. She puts that car on the wrecker, tows it down to the car show. She's sitting at that car show. She comes home a little bit later, and she says, Daddy, you won't believe it. I had several offers for $100,000 for that car. He said, sis, that's value. It matters who the people are that you are the crowd you stand in. Make sure that you find yourself among people who see your full value. Make sure when you get up, you're not standing in the $100 crowd. Make sure when you're living your life for Yahweh, you're not standing in the $1,000 crowd. Make sure, you're, make sure you find your place among the sons and daughters standing in the $100,000 crowd. I'm telling you today, your value is tied up in the people you hang out with. Your value is tied up in whether or not you understand that you are a daughter or you are a son. And I'm going to tell you something. When your little life, or big life, medium life, whatever size life you have, when your life is before the Father, when you stand before Him, do you know what? He doesn't see you as a cast off. I'll give you a hundred bucks simply for your parts. You got a few good parts there. Your right arm never offended me, but whew, that left arm, give it away. You stand before Him, you come before Him as a son or a daughter, He's not looking for parts. He's not looking to give you a fee so that He can resell you and get a better price later like a pawn shop. When you come to the Father, He says, when you come to me, doesn't matter how broken you are. doesn't matter if every tire's flat. doesn't matter if you have any glass still left in your car. doesn't matter if there's any paint or if it's all rust. doesn't matter to me if everything's dented up and banged up and I can't even read and tell what kind of vehicle you are. What matters to me is that you came. And it mattered to me that when you came to me, you came to me with value. You believed in yourself and you believed that there's something of worth in you. And he said, I want to tell you something. I'm going to turn loose to you the inheritance that belongs to you. Not only are you not only worth $100, not only are you not worth $1,000, you're worth everything that's at my disposal. If I have it, you have it. Because a father, a father has nothing that does not belong to a son or a daughter. Do you hear me this morning? So why? Why? Is it so incredibly important for you and for me to understand that the rise of sons, it's time for sons to rise up. It's time for you and me, for us, to be reminded of who we are, Sydney. Your value is priceless. Wanda, your value, you are priceless. What the father can do with a son is change the world. What he does with good Christians or simply believers... 
People who do the same thing every day and don't believe that God's always changing what we do and how we do it. He's not changing. He's changing how we see how He's doing things. But man, when we get to that place where He can begin to use us as sons and He can begin to say, Son, I've got this for you. Daughter, I've got this for you. You know who you are in me and I'm pouring out everything I've got for you and we're past that place of being just a good Christian or good believer because there's a lot of good Christians and good believers that will never know what their inheritance is. Even if we use their same scriptures on them that they like to believe, that they like to state, they like to quote about the crowns, the jewels in their crown. I want to tell you something. As a son or a daughter, you don't even need a crown. The reason he was given instruction to those religious folks that were going and they were praying out loud so everyone could hear them. They were wearing their best so everyone could see them, show it off. They were being loud and obnoxious, making sure everybody knew we're, we're of the Christian crowd. And the Father said, this is what you do. Don't show it off. Because sons don't have to brag about being sons. Sonship shows up. You don't have to put it on a banner. You don't have to put sonship on a billboard. You don't need a megaphone to tell everybody when you're praying. Sonship shows up. Rise up, sons. Rise up, sons. Are you tired of simply being a good believer? Are you tired of simply being a good Christian? That was a good starting point. Are you ready to be a son? Are you ready to be a daughter? Are you ready to say, Father, what's yours is mine because you said so, not because I'm a go-get, not because I'm taking anything, but you are releasing things? Does anybody in this room want him to see you not as a vagabond or an outcast, but see you as a son? Do you want to be a son this morning? Stand to your feet. Do you want to be a daughter? Stand to your feet. What is it you want? What is it? Who do you want to be today? How are you going to be that? Father, my trust, my faith, and my confidence is in you. You might be thinking, but I don't know how to do that. I'm going to tell you how to do it today. Stop working so hard to get a carrot that he's anxious to release to you. Stop chasing what you've never caught and receive what He freely gives. Oh man, I don't know. Were you telling me not to be a Christian? I am not telling you that and don't go tell somebody that I said that. I'm telling you to be the very best kind of believer. That's a son. That's a daughter. There's a place beyond simply believing. There's a place called knowing. I don't have to believe for it anymore because I know it's so. I don't have to believe I'm going to be a son. I don't have to believe he's working on my behalf because I know he is. I don't have to believe and have faith that he hears me because I know he hears me. Can somebody say amen this morning? Come on, lift your hands. No, don't do that. Put them on yourself. Father, I don't know if this is the last day that I'm teaching this series that you put in my heart. I don't know if it is, and I don't know if it isn't. All I know is I have released everything so far that you have put in me to release regarding it. 
My heart and my prayer to you is this, that every ear has heard and every eye has seen and every heart has received that that you meant, that that you sent, that that you destined to change us. My prayer is this, that even the hardest heart, even the one that is set in their ways, even they today, by your anointing, the yoke was broken. Even they today, by your word, by your spirit, their mind is renewed. Holy Spirit of God, minister to each one under the sound of my voice. Change us. Let there be a passion to go past simply being a believer or a good Christian. May there be in us a passion to identify you, not as just God, but you're more than that. You are Father. You are our Father, and we are your sons and daughters. We glorify you and honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together.